Okay, welcome back to Rockstock Channel. It is Friday, October 27th, one day before my uh, 55th birthday uh, tomorrow. Uh, so there's a lot of news. Uh, we've been, this is a Rockstock recap. It's Rodney and me. We, we thought we might, might do this bi-weekly, but uh, we're doing this one week after the last one because there was a lot of news in the market in terms of quarterly results for mineral resources, Pilbara, Alchem, and Core Lithium, as well as M&A activity. Very exciting. We'll talk more about SQM, Azure, and Hancock. Uh, before we get into this, just want to remind everybody, if uh, you like our content, please like and subscribe and click the notification bell for Rockstock channel on YouTube. Also, we published our most recent lithium bull called Angry Lithium. Uh, the Rolling Stonks, in a tribute to uh, the first album in 18 years from my friends Mick Jagger and uh, Keith Richards and, and Ronnie Wood. And uh, go to our website, rkequity.com, and register your email there if you aren't getting those uh, directly when they are published. Uh, we'd also like to thank our sponsor, Lithium Royalty Corp. LIRC is the ticker code on the Toronto Stock Exchange. They um, have built a, a huge portfolio of royalties, mostly of hard rock lithium stories, uh, including Sigma Lithium, uh, Winsome, and a few others. Uh, we'll have more to say uh, in the middle of this video about them, but uh, check out their website, lithiumroyaltycorp.com. Before we talk about Lithium, I do want to just make some a couple of comments on graphite and nickel. One, uh, there was uh, news on, on graphite export curbs or, or licenses needed in China from December. So this has significantly impacted Syrah uh, and some other uh, Novonics, um, uh, Nouveau Monde. Uh, what exactly is going to happen there, uh, we're, we're not sure. But um, I think Syrah, as, as the proxy in production, uh, they have product in the U.S. Um, uh, they're shipping from Mozambique. They've gotten loans from the U.S. government in Mozambique, as well as uh, for their processing facility in uh, Louisiana. But uh, the, the point on this that's uh, relevant for anyone who cares about lithium, uh, our friend at Piedmont, uh, Austin Devaney, we're going to put a, 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 a screenshot of his tweet. This should make lithium consumers ex-China very nervous. Uh, this is why it's important to build conversion capacity domestically in the United States. Um, if China aims to be an, an exporter of autos and will protect their domestic consumers over exporting lithium. So it's a warning shot for lithium, what they're doing in graphite. Um, so I'll just leave that uh, there. Australia was in the United States uh, signing, I think, a, a $2 billion loan uh, or commitment as part of the Mineral Securities Partnership. So there was news in the press about that. There was also news on nickel. Uh, a bunch of senators have uh, sent a letter to the president arguing that Indonesia should not get a free trade agreement exception for um, the, the nickel sourced in that country. Everyone's free to buy it, but U.S. taxpayers shouldn't subsidize what they're basically saying is, is somewhat dirty, you know, laterite nickel. Uh, and that's positive for our friends at uh, Talon Metals, uh, pretty much the only development story in the U.S. Uh, for a clean green sulfide deposit in, in Minnesota, as well as in Michigan. Again, before we go through into lithium, uh, there was news on the recycling front. Uh, our friends at the Lycycle um, had a major cost overrun uh, in their main hub in the U.S., in, in New York, and their stock was down some 50%. Uh, this raises a question to all those who say, just invest in recycling, and uh, is there some risk to lithium supplies sometime in the future? Um, there might be some risk in some distant future, but uh, the economics of recycling um, are, are are a bit difficult. Um, so, Rodney, any uh, before we go into the kind of SQM Azure Hancock, uh, what I called um, life in the fast lane part two, uh, she was uh, she had a nasty reputation as a cruel dude. Uh, they said she was ruthless, said she was crude. Uh, here we have Gina Reinhardt again, um, 
So let's talk about that in, in, in a minute. But uh, any comments first on Minrez, Pilbara, Allchem, um, uh, and Core results? Uh, I have some comments. Uh, you got to listen to two of those calls. But uh, quickly, if you could summarize that, I think we may have a more comprehensive summary next week after Albemarle and Livent uh, come out. We'll, we'll, we'll possibly bring one of our analyst friends on for that. But uh, any quick and dirty thoughts on on pricing? Did they underperform, overperform um, from a production point of view? So I, I just I had a look uh, at uh, imports of spodumin into China for the full year, and it's on track for my number. Uh, Minres showed uh, production uh, going well at Wajina and elsewhere, but shipments actually slightly behind. Um, all came Mount Marion ahead, uh, and Pilbara, I thought, uh, I, I guess it depends on timing, but look slightly light, but again, not not excessive in terms of, of what's being shipped out. The pricing, we knew uh, that FOB pricing was uh, was coming off from Australia to China. I thought uh, the Minres and the Allchem was about on an SE6 equivalent basis. Again, Minres 3.7 grade. Uh, that really is it's it's um it's pretty low but uh their sc6 equivalent pricing i think around three thousand same for all chem and and pilbara a bit lower so uh I, I think we can expect that to drift down but the volumes were about right the one thing i did notice and we discussed Minres had a snippet on Bald Hill, which they are taking over. That production number is slightly ahead of where I expected. He said, I think 140 to 150. I didn't realize they were up there. So that's slightly ahead of, of what I thought. So if they take that over, that's a bit better than, uh, than, than what I thought. The pricing we know come Q4, we're going to see lower numbers. Um, the debate really uh, hard, and it's something that I put out there is um, it's a question now of um, of how much material you ship. And certainly in the fourth quarter, if you look at where China spot prices are, non-integrated converters need to be paying only around $1,800 a tonne. So that is quite a lot below where these Q3 numbers are. So the question is, are new producers in a pickle that they have to sell at that price? Or are we going to see uh, guys stepping back? Because the commentary was quite bullish, and I'm sure you can you can talk to that. We've we've seen some low forecasts from some of the banks, particularly Goldman Sachs. Um, in order for the for for lithium prices, chemical prices to get to their numbers, spodumin concentrate prices have to go down to a thousand or less looking at uh, at cash costs and then being realistic about all-in sustaining costs plus corporate overheads plus 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 i don't know there's some producers i think that are going to really struggle if we go under a thousand they're going to look to be under a lot of pressures you know hopefully that's not a reality because without that material in the market you're in a supply shortfall uh, the Q3 numbers I thought were in line, production slightly light in a couple of places, but in aggregate looked about right and total exports to China. So to be honest, I know people will wonder if it's cognitive dissonance, but if you look at supply and demand for this year and take out destocking, de I still have us as a slight uh as an under as as in a deficit, so the the destocking has had a material impact. I haven't seen excess supply. Is that going to play a factor going into 2024? We shall see. But um, it's a question now of um, of how disciplined the spodumin producers will be in Q4 and going into Q1 next year. And I guess to your conversation now. Australia is just a, a bun fight for the assets now. Every asset is being disputed and and uh, Generano, it's popping up on every register and, and so is Chris Ellison. So if they are 
controlling the rock, um, will they, how will they manage the process uh, of, uh, of shipments and volumes? And I noticed it wasn't Chris Ellison, but I think it was James Bruce talking on the Minres call about manipulation of, of pricing. So interesting times ahead. Yeah, I wasn't sure what he was referring to when he was talking about the manipulation. Was he talking about shorting um, lithium equities or was he talking about paper trading of uh, the Guangzhou futures? I think it was the latter. Um, and that, there was a headline on the AFR that talked about manipulation. And and there is this narrative out there that the Chinese are talking down. And the Guangzhou futures only have been, I think, trading since July. So it's been a short period of time. And, and as much as um, purchasers of uh, uh, real purchasers of, um, you know, spodumene, the, the converters, they tend to wait and have this... Um, uh, momentum trading, right? If the price is going down, they 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 keep inventories very low, but that also translates into financial speculators, right? To on the on the Guangzhou futures, if uh, um, there's a way to manipulate that, uh, or they'll take speculative bets, and and that 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 could have wild swings. But um, look, we just got the speaking, Howard. If you if you if you take the non-integrated uh, spodumene and lipidolite out of the system, the market's going to be in a full squeeze. Mm -hmm. The question is, who's going to blink? Who's going to, are, are, they, are you going to force them to pay up and then move the prices back up? Or are the spodumen producers going to blink and sell down? Mm -hmm. I just got like the every Friday S&P uh, sends the, these uh, herds Right, you know what, what they're hearing in the market and um, the range on on the spodumene. When I was looking at it, uh, was anywhere between. Uh, there were some herds at fifteen hundred, and there were some at twenty three hundred. Right, or, or um, it may even be lower in some cases. Uh, yeah, I was seeing twenty three hundred. The fifteen hundred was the low, and twenty three hundred was a high. That's quite a wide range of herds, right? It depends on, on the grade and so on and how much you need to convert to get a, a, a ton of lithium chemicals, depending on the grade of, of the of the spodumen. But the bottom line is that's practically the number that converters afford in order to produce into what is the current spot price. Are spodumen producers going to continue to be dictated on the margin there? Because you can't, it's not all on, on contract and and high, and you, you're seeing the pricing coming out of producers drifting down. Uh, uh, in the end, it can be a quarter or two, but in the end, you, if, if the prices stay consistently lower, eventually things have to meet other than the fixed price contracts that Albemarle and others have. So this is going to be an interesting one, but... Um, I guess you can't build conversion capacity outside of China quick enough in order to avoid what is this black box of, of destocking that seems to be lasting longer than all of us had hoped. Yeah, um, and we'll go into that a, a, a bit because we have had some uh, de-escalation or, or, or downgrading of uh, EV plans from uh, GM and, uh, and, and Ford announced. Um, on the flip side, you, you had LG uh, ramping up in Arizona of their 4680 cells. So let's talk about that in, in, in a little bit. But going back to um, Hancock uh, on the tape this morning, uh, again, in a similar way for Liontown, uh, casting some shade on, um, I, forget, I don't have the quote exactly in front of me, I, I tweeted it, but you said it, it has high prospectivity, but um, there, there, there's still a lot of risk associated with um, Azure and, and Andover. But uh, before uh, commenting specifically on, on, on Gina and Chris Ellison and, and that, I got an inquiry from uh, a Chilean journalist uh, yesterday. Uh, what, what did it mean that SQM was making, you know, equivalent of a $2.4 billion bid for, for the whole asset for 100%. They were bidding for the company, but only on 60% of the asset. But if you look at just Andover, 
2.4 billion Aussie dollars, um, and they could have put, bought Lithium Power International, uh, which Cadelco is buying for 300 million dollars. Right? What's this dichotomy that right in their backyard, a high quality, definitive feasibility study permitted brine? Um, they're not buying. Um, and, and the implication there was maybe the negotiations that SQM is having with the government on the extension of their lease is not going so well. And this is why SQM is uh, looking to diversify further outside of Chile. Uh, they did that with Lithium Americas uh, back in the day. Uh, they went in, Morgan Stanley in particular argued that that was just a negotiating tactic when they bought 50% for $25 million, and then they walked away. This is very different. Um, they are very much embedded in Mount Holland. I did a comparison. When they came in in 2017, they got 50% of Mount Holland for uh, by, in buying Kidman for about 130 or $150 million. There was a convert, and then there was an earn-in on the um, at the project level. And here we are six years later, and they're bidding for a whole company, but only 60% of an asset for uh, uh, 15 or 20 times more of the valuation. Uh, so I think it, it, there's a comment here that Chile's pain is Australia's gain here um, because SQM is a very conservative company and they typically don't pay up. This is a very big price that SQM is paying to, to, to in a pre-resource company. Um, but it's possible that they're going to uh, get gazumped by... Um, by Gina, right? Like she now owns 18%. Uh, I'm not super sophisticated on all of the M&A rules in Australia uh, to, to gauge whether or not this is a, such a, a blocking stake that's going to um, prevent it from happening. We'll see what happens and we'll see if uh, Azure price um, gets knocked back in a similar way as Liontown's did uh, Azure doesn't need as much capital. They're not as advanced in their in their studies, but um, it very much seems that uh, I, I looked on, on their website. Gina Reinhardt is and her father, um, in a similar way that Andrew Forrest and his father, you know, they're very tied to Australia. They're very patriotic Australians. In the same similar way, uh, Chris Ellison wants to move downstream, and so there's, I think, very much. Um, Whereas in Chile, you have the government saying, these are our resources and we're going to regulate. Like in, in Australia, you have these um, entrepreneurial patriots um, who are very successful in iron ore in particular, uh, and they're exerting in a rough and tumble uh, capitalist uh, society, um, saying, you know, these are um, foreigners beware. <laughs> these are <laughs> where this is our playground we know this mining and uh and and in, and for all the talk we've had over the years about big auto big battery big uh mining big chemical as prospectively writing big checks into come into lithium no one is really forecasting like big family office big Hancock is is not the traditional mining company. Yes, very successful with Roy Hill, et cetera. But this is very much a nimble actor, right? Playing a, a, a very cool game here um, in the Western Australian backyard. But I, I worry a little bit because uh, I've worried on, on previous videos that we've done that this very cozy duopoly we had two years ago with Al Mall, you know, mothballing Wajna and Pilbara mothballing Altura, those have now been switched on. Um, there's no more duopoly in, in Spodjamine anymore. You you have with Minrez pulling back from Albemarle and they do have some constraint in voting for or, or, or pushing through with train four at Wajina. They did comment, uh, James Bruce did comment that they're, I think they're going to make an FID on that in next quarter, um, but then it'll take two years to build. Uh, but that does need Albemarle's approval. I think they'll get that because Albemarle is, is, is going to be somewhat short spodumene. But here you have Hancock, a very credible player, a deep pocketed, um, uh, will Spodumene evolve into an oligopoly like you currently have with BHP, Rio, uh, and Vale, and then some smaller players? 
Um, or will it be like, I don't know, copper or any other commodity that has half a dozen or more players uh, all just acting independently and the, the lowest cost producers will 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 survive? I think we're we're moving in that direction. Um, and uh, but I think it's very good for Australia, Australia's market share in lithium, espodromy in particular, is is going to grow in a similar way uh, or has grown. But if you look at Indonesia in nickel, Australia in, in spodromy, and it's clearly uh, lithium units, um, that's happening. Uh, but what the end game is, we don't know. Hancock does have some partnership with Minres in iron ore. I could easily see uh, Chris Ellison getting mine services contracts for Hancock um, at Lion Town or or um, at, at Azor over time, but uh, there's a lot more to play out here. But as you said, you tweeted, I think that there's very little left in Australia. Uh, there's global lithium, although Wildcat is not, like, like also, we say there's very little left, but there's new things all the time. Some have argued a, a year or two ago, Australia's peak spodumene, right? There's only so much in the country. But they're <laughs> they're making lots of new discoveries here, so maybe that's not actually the case. But um, I don't know. I think you will start seeing uh, attention turned to Canadian plays um, and Brazilian plays. Uh, I think there's already some. There's rumors of uh, you know Hancock and and Pilbara um, already in uh, Patriot or, or or some of the other players there. But they, they seem to care, Hancock seems to care about large size. Um, Minrez is happy to go into smaller size. You're right. They bought Alita Essential Metals. Um, anyway, how do you how do you see things playing out? I think, Howard, it is, there's a desire and a will and there's a reality. We have the IRA. We've got other initiatives you've got and... Chris Ellison trying to get things going in Australia. The one thing I think that is important, although, again, as I say, it's got a tie into reality, is none of these transactions and none of these deals and none of these developments is with the intention of selling that spodumin to China. Mm -hmm. It's either a midstream product or it's production elsewhere in the world or something else or tolling and then doing your own contracts elsewhere in the world. Now, the question is, um, can you can you deliver on that desire? Because if you can get Corpus Christi going, Piedmont, Tennessee, or other Beckencore and, and getting a production up and running elsewhere in the world, then we're likely to see more throughput and more transparency and linking that to people's EV ambitions and, and volumes. At the moment, what's, what's going into China and then what's produced and then what's coming out is hard to see. And the other threat is um, it looks like in terms of EV exports out of China, that numbers, I, I saw a chart, I'm scared to repeat the number, it was so high, but at the moment, all the units of feedstock is heading to China. It's getting converted if they are not selling it domestically because the growth rate, and the penetration rate is high. So you're just not getting the types of EV growth, uh, sales growth that you did. It's either that or exporting. How risky or how tough is it going to be to, for someone now as an incumbent OEM to compete against BYD and others globally selling in to develop and developing countries where if they've established themselves and they've got low priced EVs, which is something I keep raising to you is where are the low cost EVs from the other companies that don't make enough money, they're losing money, they don't want to make them. So they've been pulling those units. So the low hanging fruit of the SUV market of the truck market or whatever, I get it. There's there's more room and margin in that, but that's not where the vast majority of cars are sold globally. So it's a it's a bigger question and, and issue is, can you keep the units, can you lower the need for Spodumin producers in the world to ship to, to China? Uh, and then how big is the threat out of Africa and elsewhere? We're seeing um, 
various different rules being put into place uh, in different countries about how the material needs to be beneficiated in country. Um, will, will that catch on in Africa or is it just you can't ship raw DSO, you've got to ship a, a spodumen uh, and or whatever, some a processed product. And uh, is that enough for China to keep a grip on this market? So if this year has taught us anything, again, the price ran, ran hot and now they've uh, they've really exacted some revenge in this destocking. We're all scratching our heads how it can last this long. I, I think everyone would rather see transparency and possibly the downstream and value add being balanced up ex-China. So that is the intention as far as I can tell with um, Chris Ellison. I'm sure Gina Reinhardt will go the same way. Uh, and as are the other companies, but you still got to deliver on the downstream and and make that happen. And I don't think it can happen quickly enough. Uh, uh, but hopefully, uh, hopefully it will. Otherwise, the big play here. Think about the big play. The big play here is keep the prices low, make cheap EVs. No one else does, and dominate world EV sales. And that's not. It's going to put a lot of people out of business and take a lot of. Uh, auto jobs in the world and ship and transfer those to China. Jumping in here from the editing room to tell you about Lithium Royalty Corp. Lithium Royalty Corp is at the center of a global energy transition and manages a globally diversified portfolio of lithium-focused royalties in electrification and decarbonization. With 32 royalties on 29 higher-grade, lower-cost projects from exploration to production, LIRC covers all the bases with well-managed risk, ESG considerations, and a scalable royalty structure. Lithium Royalty Corp is traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange ticker symbol LIRC. To find out more, visit lithiumroyaltycorp.com. Yeah, I th that, that'll be untenable. The auto industry in, in America and uh, in Germany, I, I just, I can't see, uh, if even if it's Teslas, just making cheap Teslas and exporting whole cars um, to to decimate the industry here. Um, the UAW, I think, uh, cut a tentative deal with uh, Ford, and let's hope that gets done. And then GM um, and Stellantis too. It would be great to get that out of the headlines. I think that there's a lot of cross currents in the market, many of them negative, which are impacting. Uh, the lithium thematic. I would say that the the the, the equities um, have rebounded a little bit, or seem to have stabilized uh, this week. There was a very big short position in Pilbara. Uh, the results were not very good, um, either from a, a production standpoint, a cost standpoint, and a price received standpoint. Um, they argue that uh, because they're not on long contracts like uh, some of their peers they're first to feel the pain and uh, also first to feel the gain. If you remember last year, they were with the BMX auctions. Um, they had that stellar stellar year on the upside. So in looking for leading indicators, maybe Pilbara and the price received they're getting will be a good indicator. But um, the, the the UAW strike, some were arguing that like they're saying, oh, you're making all these profits. And, and the it's very costly. Um, it's going to be even more expensive uh, to, to make ICE vehicles. Um, Tesla's price cuts have clearly hurt um, Ford and, and GM. And they, 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 they've just been subsidizing their EV investments um, with, with profits from elsewhere. And now the UAW is going to be taking a, a significant portion of those profits. I think that that might the UAW may not have said that that's their explicit intention is to, we want to slow EVs because we realize we're going to lose jobs from EVs. Uh, but that might very well have been their, their intention here. Uh, but that's a real um, risk. They have, uh, I think uh, Ford, which made big announcements about their uh, Tennessee plants in Kentucky. I think they're, they're slowing down on Kentucky, but they're still going through with the blue oval SK um, in, in Tennessee. The headline is like they're slowing $12 billion worth of investment. It's slowing, it's not stopping, but um, 
I don't know how much all of this is factored into everyone's models. Did, did they assume that GM and Ford were going to sell this many models and therefore that's going to translate into this number of gigawatt hours of batteries? And if uh, they're not achieving that, do people's demand expectations um, in aggregate for gigawatt hour deployed go down or is something like LG in Arizona uh, ramping up the 4680 so that they can go to Tesla Tesla just gained market share to make up for GM and Ford what do you think um from this news flow because I read it as if there's a demand problem and no one's stopping on the supply side uh th th this um structural deficit that we're all forecasting may disappear in the short term look uh, this year we've got uh my model is uh, gigawatt hours deployed is up i think 48 percent so that's hardly a wilting flower um as i said i i have no i have no demand hiccups in my model um Lathrop, I thought was going to ramp a little quicker on the energy storage side, uh, but that's kicking into gear. And as Tesla is going to build Shanghai next year, I think the Cybertruck, he didn't say production hell, but he said it's difficult because I, I did expect that to kick in. And the semi, I do think if, if uh, there are batteries available, as long as he can build those, as long as there's the capacity to do that, um, there is demand for that. The semi numbers I saw in terms of how far they trucked with a full charge and a full load was, was pretty impressive. EV demand in the US is to kick in. Certain companies are, are going to benefit more than others. The question is, does it politically become a bit of a hot potato if some are falling behind rather than others that you need to now rein in the initiative to give them a bit of a breathing room? Um, we don't want that uh, with the RAN, but uh, the one thing this year, the rest of world, albeit of a small base, uh, EV sales are growing at over 100%. So a lot of regional areas are kicking in with EVs. Um, I don't see I don't see disappointment on the on the demand side. Um, as I say, the the this on the supply side. In terms of of what's been produced and how much in the battery grade side, I I don't have oversupply this year. The destocking has has thrown it out of out of whack uh, versus how much was how much inventory was built up last year. So at some point in time, that that kind of needs to level out. But uh, I made this comment years ago, and and people didn't necessarily believe it. But the transition to EVs could have some some marquee name casualties. I think it it will. Um, and politically, let's see how th this is going to play out. There, um, I just watched U.S. politics and and other U.S. moves. Chevron is buying Hess. Uh, that's another mega merger in, in oil uh, after Exxon buying Pioneer. Um, uh, for all the, the oil companies dabbling with petty cash into DLE plays. Um, I uh, uh, The fossil fuel will be here for a while um, and they're making significant bets on that and they're not making big bets yet on, um, on lithium. I think the oil companies will go into the liquids, whatever the geothermals and the oil field brines that seems to be their, their preference. Um, another piece of, a couple of pieces of you know good news just to remind people about is uh, so bp is now buying tesla superchargers 100 million dollars um i drove uh i had a funeral to go to in albany which is a uh, 300 miles um and i have a i don't have a tesla yet or an electric vehicle i'm still driving a 14 year old uh acura mdx but um i made it there and back um without I was half full when I left, so I, I did need to fill up, but I, I could have made the whole trip without stopping. But when I did stop, I noticed that, yeah, I forget exactly what, what station I was at, but there, there was this one sole charger there, which was um, the old, uh, the older standard. Um, I don't know how long the guy was uh, having to charge there, but if everybody follows BP's lead, and have superchargers uh, at these stations, I think that would be a huge boon. Uh, I did this video earlier in the year when I rented the Tesla and I just um, 
drove all around Florida and, and the supercharging network is, is, is hugely important. And the fact that GM and Ford signed on with Tesla earlier this year, addressing the charging. And now we have BP and I think Exxon and other gas stations will follow. Um, that, that's a big positive. The Cybertruck launch November 30th is a big positive. I think the Model 3 refresh Highland. Um, so it, it, there's there's good news. I think th th there are good news uh, elements there. Um, yes, the price wars are impacting Ford and GM's decisions. Uh, but to Elon Musk's point, um, high interest rates are affecting car purchases. And that's certainly impacting Tesla, but it's impacting buying a, a, an F-150 Lightning, right? These still are relatively expensive cars. And um, and, and it is a cyclical industry. And with wars- But I mean, and, uh, my, my point is, is how it is- uh... The semi is very competitive as a product, not in the in the car space, but in the trucking space. And uh, on the energy storage side, the mega pack and the bigger form batteries they're making in China and so on, they have a legislation on on how much backup you need as you take on renewables and so on. And renewables are doing extremely well in terms of installation. So there's a lot of non-auto demand that can pick up some of the slack it's a question of of how quickly they can ramp that production but i think that's catching on and i think i still um i've although to be honest i've seen a couple of others now putting in big forecasts i was industry outlier on on energy storage but i really think that that could surprise uh surprise on the upside and that's a legislative thing and that's competitive high interest rate not interest rate against gas peakers and so on uh in the u.s from an economic point of view it makes complete sense to to put those in so as long I as think you can make I, them I, you can sell them i think that's that's a great point and on the semis as well the total cost of ownership uh is very meaningful for a commercial buyer, maybe not a, a retail consumer who can't figure out the math. They just want the sticker price. Um, another important part on the sticker price is that the, the 7,500 credit in America will be at the point of sale from next year, as opposed to you know waiting a year on your tax returns to get a credit from it. And that, that will impact buying behavior. And it also will, um, if you're getting a loan or a lease, uh, it comes right off the top. Right, so the the lease payment uh, or, or the or the the um, interest payment will be lower by that seventy five hundred. So th there's a number of things there, but you're right. Energy storage was a very significant bright spot in Tesla's earnings, and um, so that that's definitely uh, it's not as sexy as the sexy cars. Like a, so much of the EV thematic from a retail perspective was like it's all cars. But the margins and, and are very lithium. Good, though, they are. A absolutely. I'll mention another thing. I, uh, my friend, uh, Matt Dio, uh, Bank of America's lithium analyst, um, appeared uh, as the vice president of business development uh, strategy at, at Sigma, which um, I found pretty interesting because Sigma, I thought, was for sale. <laughs> he, he may be there for a very short period of time. If it, Maybe there's some change of control provision in his contract, or, or maybe Sigma um, is going to go on some growth trajectory here maybe they'll consolidate some stuff in uh in um in brazil uh but uh, rodney we, we've had uh a fair bit of talks i've been a bit nervous i'm the lithium bull and i'm, I'm thinking maybe i'm a contrarian indicator just being so worried but but you're um You've been buying stuff, right? As it's gotten cheaper and cheaper, right? On the exploration side in particular. Um, and, and another, this is where you like, um, you prove your mettle as a, as a trader. And, and I'm, I'm reading it also in the Tesla community on Twitter. There's everyone is there's the short-term traders and, and, and long-term believers is I think the the, the long-term thesis is intact, but everybody, are we in some echo chamber? You listen to Mineral Resources, Pilbara, you, you know, the, the actions of Hancock, the actions of SQM, Albemarle, Minrez, 
they're taking, they're making big bets, long-term view. They're not worried about the short term and that makes me comfortable and their commentary makes me comfortable. Um, but it's nevertheless tough and, and you're, you're, um, yeah, but you, especially on the real risky side, early stage companies with just a minimal of, I don't know, five or $8 million in capital that haven't yet drilled but wildcat came out of nowhere azure came out of nowhere um where are the next ones where we're looking for them and uh in champion electric metals you know in solace minerals in brazil and stellar metals you know uh um in australia uh, that's steve steven biggins and of course winsome um which is talking about a 50 to 60 million ton resource um hopefully sometime early next year uh and then patriots a lot of the stocks were up overnight so there's some shorting activity going on but are we going to get you know is there a thought that there's not much left in australia um and valuation disconnect with the with the crocodile dundees in in canada and other locales uh is, is that next any comments you think about it Howard? so we, we, we keep having this. So every time there is, you put the squeeze on prices and things get tougher, it gets harder for people to raise. Everyone we've spoken to says raising money is tougher. So everything is delayed. Some of the drill programs and, and, and some of the um, feasibilities and stuff are going to be pushed out that little bit further. Um, so you by doing this, you're just sowing the seeds of the next bull run. Uh, we'll see how quickly will Minres and Albemarle have that conversation, pull the trigger and, 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 and do train four, even in the big players. The reality is, um, as I say, the, the, the destocking has thrown things out slightly, but, um, in terms of the broader numbers, the moves that, uh, incumbents are making are not suggestive of wanting to slow things down or leave things to chance. They want to get involved. Um, I think as being part of the industry and as investors ourselves, it is helpful. And I always say this, who do you want to set the chemical price? Do you want uh, a Western incumbent or do you want a non-integrated Chinese converter to do that? So the more spodumen that falls under the control of ex-China players that can either toll or do an intermediate product or ship to Korea or wherever it is or the US and, and do it separately, the more you're likely to have a better and clearer line of sight as to what's going on with inventories and with um, and with production volumes and sales. Because if you look at the depth of information we now get, when you and I were doing this five years ago, we didn't get line of sight. Now IGO, Minres, you get a good sense of who's produced what, what the inventories are and where we're at. And I, I guess that gives me more comfort to say, I can tie that in with the mid and downstream. Um, and, and um, and 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 so it is encouraging to see that uh, that guys are are prepared to spend. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, the focus and the attention still remains in tier one jurisdictions. And now you're likely to add Brazil into that mix. Um, with all the woes going on, we think that Atlantic's been unfairly treated coming sitting in Africa, but in a top rated Fraser Institute mining friendliness jurisdiction, but it's likely that uh, the, the major players are still going to avoid Africa looking at what's going on with some of the companies and some of the countries and restrictions they're likely to, to step back there. So it's likely to remain Australia, Canada, US, Brazil. Those are all good points, and I'll make a couple of points on that. Firstly, uh, for everyone watching here, should tune into our most recent video with um, the Atlantic team, uh, which we uh, entitled uh, Ghana's Spodumene Software License to uh, follow Elon Musk, um, license to print money, 
they may not be taken over because they have Asselor at 25% and Piedmont 9%. Um, but going into production, a very low cost, this should be a money printing machine and they're now licensed um, to, to, to do that. So that stock's very undervalued in our opinion, um, as is critical elements um, in uh, permitted, uh, ready for partnership. It, it seems that the market or, or the strategics it does need to be a certain size to attract um, the, the, these big takeover bids. Uh, critical elements could be taken over, right? They own 100% of their asset. We think there's a lot of undiscovered um, upside in their uh, exploration tenements, but we'll, we'll leave that aside. We hope to uh, get JS on um, video sometime in the not too distant future. Uh, but uh, in terms of tier one jurisdictions, I, I will say that um, buried in, I didn't listen to the Allchem call. Maybe they um, said this in there. And if they did, forgive me for uh, not knowing this, but uh, buried in their, um, in, in their, in their written filing was uh, that the Allchem and Livent merger is uh, making significant progress. And, and they've actually announced the name Arcadium. And when I was looking at that, I thought myself, RK, 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 equity, right? Because I, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, I thought of renaming RK and we looked at like Arcadia and Arcadia was a very you know, prevalent name. Like we couldn't take it, like it was there. But so I looked at Arcadium and I was like, okay, that's better than Livent. It's better than Allchem. And as I'm looking at it now, it's Argentina, R, and CAD for Canada and lithium, the Arcadium. That must be how they did that. And I don't know if they discussed that in the call. If they did, um, I'm not pre presenting any news here, but it seems that that's what they did. Argentina, Canada. And what I think is going to be very interesting to watch next year is that uh, Paul Graves, not necessarily the most entrepreneurial um, of CEOs in in my observation. Um, I like him. He's, he's, he's a great... Um, you know, has been a great voice in the industry and, and his conference calls are, are, are uh, give the, the most insight. But uh, when other players were doing a lot of entrepreneurial things over the last five years, he, he didn't do very much. But here we are. Um, he's going to have James Bay and he has Namaska. Um, he's going to be like positioned um, as a, a major player to potentially be a consolidator in Quebec. Um, or maybe they'll get consolidated by someone like Rio Tinto uh, to be seen. But th that's um, that merger is going through. Uh, that's a real player. Um, I still am hoping and thinking that maybe Albemarle will uh, approach Pilbara with a cash and share offer at some point in the future, uh, like they did uh, to, to get their footprint with Rockwood. If they did that, that could instill some discipline um, in, in the spodumene market, which I was alluding to, um, is disappearing uh, now that you have so many other players. Um, okay, I think we covered a lot of ground there. I don't have anything more uh, listed here uh, as I was making all the bullet points this morning. Um, this is just one week since the last week that we did this. Uh, another exciting week in lithium world uh, and also some battery materials with the graphite and, and nickel discussion, as, as we mentioned. Any final points, anything I missed, uh, Rodney? No, I think uh, that covers it. And um, let's see, I, I noticed um, there was an uptick in, in Spodumen uh, imports into China in September. We know there was a bit of a, a congestion with Minres. Let's see how we go into year end. But um, hopefully with uh, the launch of the Cyber and and some of the other new models and um 2024 is also it, it normally it's 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 the year before europe has that step change into the higher uh, co2 penalties in 2025 so they tend to step up although i guess they could import vehicles but that normally means better sales um let's see how we go uh with all the macro data coming through what ev sales looked like into year end uh, last year was very strong so i'm not expecting massive growth on growth but uh year, year on year growth but uh, so far it looks to be sound and um 
and hopefully uh, we finish finish the year strongish and we'll see um we'll see if there's some restocking in the near future uh i'll make one more comment on your comment because someone commented to us that uh jesus you spent all this time talking and not one mention of europe so you just mentioned europe and uh I uh, am trying to have been exchanging uh, texts with my, my friend Keith Coglin at European Metals Holdings, who, uh, again, is in Prague. I don't know. He's there every six weeks or so. So things, I believe, are are heating up in Europe. Um, actually, I'll mention Vulcan received like a $200 million conditional commitment from some export credit agencies in, in Australia um that's a, a good sign it's obviously conditional it's only one piece i think they have a two billion capex so only 90 percent more to go um uh, we think it's very difficult when you have a very low equity valuation um and a big capex need that's always a, a very hard thing to uh to accomplish but uh in, in the case of European Metals Holdings, uh, the strategic Cinevec deposit. It is hard rock. It's not spodumene, but um, we think uh, we didn't really talk about LFP. Um, GM said that for the Ultium battery, for the low cost vehicles, they will um, uh, now be making some LFP. I think that also is going to take place in uh, in Europe. Um, the Cinevec deposit can do carbon and it can do uh, hydroxide. It can do um, lithium phosphate, I think. Um, anyway, to, to, to be continued on, we'll, we'll address that in greater detail in future videos. But uh, we've been here a, a bit long. Uh, hope you enjoyed this video. And uh, again, if you did, comment, uh, subscribe. Uh, also, by the way, uh, on Patreon, uh, one thing that we do for $100 and $300 subscribers, apart from these quarterly conference calls. Uh, Rodney does write proprietary research on the earnings results from Minres, Pilbara, Alchem, and, and Livent, and Albemarle will be coming out uh, next week. So if you want the, that detailed analysis, we, we comment briefly on it here, but uh, um, please visit us at patreon.com slash rockstock channel. And with that, um, I'm going to say goodbye uh, to the my 54th year uh, tomorrow, and uh, we'll revisit you next year, um, one year older. Take care.